Hey everybody, welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. I'm super excited about this episode and the episode to follow this. Listen, our discussion between myself and Christian and Lydia on complementarianism and the roles of women in ministry and, and contrasting that with this egalitarian view. Uh, the plan was to make it an hour and we ended up talking for about two hours just on this subject. So uh, we split it up into two. This first one, we get into um, you know the introductions and all that. You get to meet Lydia, who's a good friend of Christian and I's from undergrad. You're going to meet her. And then we're going to talk about what is complementarianism? What is egalitarianism? And, uh, and then, and then we, we pretty much end this episode talking about the biblical text that we think uh, that we think support complementarianism. And then the next episode, we're going to be looking at uh, text that 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 uh, people think that uh, supports egalitarianism. And as we go through it, you'll see our our heart and our passion is to know the Lord, is to follow the Lord, is to follow His Word to the best of our ability. And I really hope that as you listen to this, that it's an eye-opener for you as you learn more about this issue. It's such a, such a divisive issue. I pray that you, you just learn so much from it. I pray that this opens you up. Uh, this is just introductory type of thing. Uh, for this topic. So I hope it, it opens you up to study this even deeper, to study it yourself. Look at these scriptures, check their context, check the historical context, and figure out what is the role of men and women in the home and in the church. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for watching and God bless. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourselves, but it is a gift of God. Ephesians 2.8 Welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. All right, everybody, welcome to Grace Bond Ministries. Uh, your host, Jonathan, host and founder, Jonathan Jenkins, and I've got my co-host, Christian Walton, here with me. And we've also got a special guest. Uh, her name is Lydia Clements. Let me go ahead and make sure you Gosh, can see yeah. everybody. <laughs> Um, so the topic today is why we hate women. Um, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, the topic today is called complementarianism, uh, which is a difficult word to spell because everywhere you spell it in a document, uh, it doesn't recognize it. So it thinks you, you always think you spell it wrong. So you just spell it with confidence. Uh, that's always been my motto with everything. So, uh, but first let's, uh, let's yeah. introduce ourselves a little bit. Uh, just in case you know you're new to the podcast, I'm Jonathan. I hold a bachelor's degree in Christian studies, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I'm also a youth pastor and a mortuary worker and uh, all kinds of different things, and also a new dad. And, and uh, the whole point of Grace Bond Ministries was really to, uh, to, open up, to open up opportunities for people to ask questions and uh, be comfortable talking about difficult and controversial topics. Uh, and we've covered a lot of different topics. Uh, since since Grace Bond Ministries has started and since Christian has joined and uh, we're excited to talk about this one today with uh, Lydia. Uh, so Christian, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and then uh, and then Lydia, if you want to go after him. 
right, I'm Krishna Walton. I have a bachelor's in Christian studies also. Me and Jonathan met up pretty much since I got there freshman year and I've just thrown ideas off of each other ever since. Um, I'm a student pastor in a small town in Georgia called Millen. If you don't know where that is, it's fine. I didn't either before I went there. But I cover youth and over the children's department. Luckily, I don't have to work both. I might go crazy. But I'm happy to be joining in. Glad to have come alongside Jonathan and continue to discuss these topics. So Lydia, yeah, let me uh, let me introduce you, Lydia, because it, it's always it's always seems to be easier when somebody else introduces you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of bad. It's kind of difficult as a Christian to talk good about yourself. So, uh, <laughs> so all three of us, we all we all met in uh, in undergrad and and uh, really just went all all separate ways after that. But uh, during our time there, uh, Christian, I've always said Christian was one of the smartest people in the class. Uh, but Lydia always gave him a run for his money. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And uh, I think she ended up with uh, A's in both Greek classes. And, uh, you know, that's uh, if you ever take some Greek, you know how much that means. So yeah. <laughs> uh, Lydia was always somebody as soon as we met her. Uh, I, I've told the same story about Christian, this the whole group that came in. But uh, Lydia, too, especially was when she came in, it's like there's this whole new group coming to college and uh, with just this fire for God and the fire for ministry, uh, fire for a lot of things. And. Uh, it was just so cool seeing this dramatic shift in, in all these departments around campus as the new Christians were coming in and uh, pretty much taking over and changing the atmosphere on campus and uh, along with the strong leadership there. And so uh, Lydia has been doing missionary work and has uh, helped out with a lot of different things in a lot of different places <laughs> since she's been in ministry. Uh, even uh, And actually, even with me, I, we, we, I, we worked together for a long time at the school and then uh, she also came and played uh, piano at my, my first church I pastored in Georgia and uh, for a while. And, and uh, we just we've all known each other for a long time. And uh, we're definitely excited to have her on the podcast to talk about uh, such a difficult issue that we'll get to here in just a second. So, uh, Lydia, if you want to have anything else you want to introduce about yourself. Um, yeah, I guess just like I got the same degree you, you guys did. Um, I'm currently at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, I'm getting my MDiv in international church planting. So the goal is overseas. Um, so I think that's about it. I recently got married. Um, but yeah, I love you guys. And I'm honored that you asked me to come on the podcast. <laughs> and Lydia can recruit anybody to do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She was yeah, the prime recruiter. Not, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't it, wasn't it you, Lydia, that got all the speakers for revival that year? Yeah, yeah. I took so many trips to the IT department. I'm pretty sure I went to see Dr. Eccles at one point. Um, he wasn't there, but Miss Laura Hay was amazing help. Honestly, if you want anything done, she's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So let me uh, let me uh, shift us into our topic here, uh, man. It's just this this topic is uh, it's difficult, and I think it's difficult mostly because of the culture we live in today, and how the wording is is worded in the Bible. Um, back then, the the culture was much different, and so it wasn't so dramatic when we read about these things in the Bible. But uh, what what all three the view that all three of us hold is called complementarianism, and we'll explain a little more about. 
um, our various views on that and some of the abuses of that uh, here in just a second. Yeah. Um, but complementarianism, this, the word complement, all right, the word complement, it means something that completes or makes perfect either of two parts or things needed to complete the whole or counterparts. All right. So the, 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 the a simple definition of complementarianism, it's important to get the understanding of this word to complement, right? It's not, it's not really subordination. It's not so, uh, so a man can have power over a woman or anything like that. It's that these two, uh, that men and women have different roles, right? They have different roles, but they're still equal in value. They're still equal in humanity um, and that sort of thing. So we're going to get to that here in, in a little bit more in just a second. But uh, this is a definition of complementarianism that I found. Um, this, it says that complementarianism is the teaching that masculinity and femininity, I think I said that right, um, are ordained by God and that men and women are created to complement or complete each other. Complementarians believe that the gender roles found in the Bible are purposeful and meaningful distinctions that when applied in the home and church promote the spiritual health of both men and women. Embracing the divinely ordained roles of men, roles of men and women furthers the ministry of God's people and allows men and women to reach their God-given potential. I believe that's a, a definition I got from uh, gotquestions.org, uh, one of the authors there. Uh, so before we move on to what egalitarianism is, because that's the, the view that directly challenges this view or, or is the direct opposite of this view, um, I want to talk about with, with, uh, with you guys what the, the, how it sometimes um, is misdefined or, or abused. Um, you know, we, I know all three of us have heard uh, horrible stories of uh, pastors and, and men, you know, that are uh, just abusive. So what are some of the ways that you guys have heard that it's, it's been misdefined or abused or something like that, or maybe you've even experienced? Well, a popular pastor who I won't name, once said that men should not even be taking directions from a woman, which seems a bit out of context to me. <laughs> so some people take it very far um, when they say that a man should be the head of the church or the head of a household. They go so far as to say a woman shouldn't be telling a man anything to do not even saying, take a right turn here. So that's that's a, a very popular example right now. <laughs> I think a lot of it's like they take the Bible culture. Am I coming in clear? Yeah. Okay. Just making sure. They take that Bible culture and say that's the same way now because back then they didn't see women as of equal value. That's why Christ had to bring that in. And they would say, all right, you work for me. You do this, looking at them as a maid more than an actual person, as somebody uh, as of one flesh. I don't want to get too far into the topic. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. So, so some of the things I noted down uh, was, for one, I just mentioned it a second ago, and you guys kind of mentioned it, it's, is this idea that that some complementarians put forward that it's like a uh, it's like a like a superiority inferiority type of thing, like men are superior beings, 
and women are inferior beings, right? Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard that too. And, and uh, that's not what the view is. That's not what the word compliment means. Uh, it's, I mean, it's pretty simple. Just even in, just in that one word, that's not what it means. Um, I never in my entire life, I, I couldn't imagine what would happen if I told my wife, you know, you, did you know that I'm superior? Um, and I'm a greater human being. Uh, <laughs> uh, she probably would slap me. And uh, then she would put the baby in my face and let the baby slap me. But, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but that, that's definitely one abuse. I mean, I'm sure you all have seen that, too. Uh, Lydia, have you ever have you ever felt that? I mean, I'm sure you've been around a lot of complementarians. Have you ever felt that that somebody or even somebody told you that they're superior than you? <laughs> superior yeah, you? I. Um, well, whenever I was younger, like middle school. I went to like this little private Methodist school and I was going through this, this is when I really started, um, like my relationship with God, like blossomed, like that's when I really started reading the Bible for myself and, um, you know, things like that. And one day I was just like, I asked my teacher, I was like, why aren't, like it just registered in my brain, like, why aren't there any women pastors? And he was like, there are. And I was like, what? Because they were Methodist. And like, that was fine. And so I remember going home and being like, like, did you guys know like there are women pastors? Like, that's a thing. And of course, like, it, it, it wasn't for my family. <laughs> <laughs> um, but even as far, like, I mean, I'm, I won't name names, but there were points in undergrad where, um, even maybe in joking manners that things were said like, oh, like you're a woman, that's why you have that view or, you know, just things like that. Um, I haven't experienced it a terrible amount in churches. I think mostly because I've been a part of very small churches where if the women didn't do things, they wouldn't get done other than preach on Sundays. Um, so I haven't experienced much of that very firsthand, um, but I've definitely felt it in passing um and heard a lot about it <laughs> so most of it though most of it has been in joking manners because most of my friends know the conversation um and things like that so yeah yeah I know I I, I remember one time and this was I, I out of all the times Austin and I have had you know disagreements and he's been so patient and kind to me I made a joke one time and uh, it tore me to pieces. That was the only time I seen him get angry, and, he, and rightly so. I made some kind of joke about, you know, uh, his woman pastor that uh, she had a different theological view than me. And I said, well, she's wrong because she's a woman or something like that. And he got mad. And I would, too. I mean, if somebody said that to me today about a woman, I'd be mad, too. Yeah. And, I mean, that tore me to pieces. Uh, and I, I used to be one that would joke crudely even about that kind of thing and, and all kinds of things. But... Uh, and you know, finally, I said, "Well, wait a minute. That's not what the Bible teaches me to do." Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but another another uh, bad uh, definition of it, um, and these next two that I wrote down, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, it's it's like uh, <laughs> you know, especially with the New Age movement now, uh, there's like this. Apparently, there's a secret group of white, powerful men that are trying to control the entire world. Um, and, uh, because they're rich, they get away with it. It's basically the understanding from new agers. But, uh, I've kind of heard that though, even with this, 
as far as as far as complementarianism goes with uh, the household and the church is really what we're focusing on tonight. Um, uh, but I, and I've heard that used in ways and just terrible ways where men in their homes, <clears throat> they were I mean, they were, they were abusing their wives and then saying that it was biblical. Uh, beating their wives or whatever it, whatever it took to get their wives to submit to them, they said, well, that's all right because, you know, it's her fault she didn't submit or whatever, um, you know, and it was kind of th those kinds of uh, those kinds of things. I, I, I don't know. I heard about those a lot. I can't think of any times I had like counseling sessions about it, um, but I, I think that's a fear because we hear of so many times where uh, men do do that, do do, um, <clears throat> That's not what you want to say on a, on a <laughs> formal theological podcast. <laughs> I guess if you're me, it, it doesn't matter. But, um, but you know, I've heard that from women too. You know, I think that's one of the things when somebody says, "Oh, men are called to this role, but women aren't." You know, it's it's a and like like Remnant Radio said, uh, and, and I think his name's Josh on that. He was like, you know, this is a very offensive view, uh, especially in today's culture, and, mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that's why because they connect that with that kind of superiority. Same thing they do with slavery. And equate slavery now that we know of now to slavery like we like like and it's say it's the same thing as what they taught in the Bible, you know, which is just not true. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure you guys have kind of heard about that too. I mean, y'all have any experiences with that, uh, or have y'all had any counseling sessions with with a woman that's that's been through something like that? But I mean, you have a lot of women that are like i don't want to submit because most of the time that's what they equate that word with right that word is equated with hey i'm superior than you i'm in power go make me a sandwich yeah, that yeah it, de it definitely does feel like i struggled with this for a long time like just the idea like misunderstanding it and thinking that the lord has made me as some kind of like inferior being like as a woman like there are things that I'm not allowed to do that a man is allowed to do and just kind of like this why did you make things like this God like what's what's the point because from a young age I I wanted to be involved in ministry and there were just questions like is this is this right should I be and I mean the conclusion is absolutely women should be involved in ministry but that's what we'll talk about today so but they're definitely like I mean it was a it was feeling that I had like why why was I made this way why are we inferior but we're not so yeah so before we move on to the egalitarian we we, we want to make sure that you understand that that and especially when you hear the egalitarian view um that we're not saying that uh that men and women are unequal um in in their humanity like like one's lesser and one's greater you know that's not what we're saying in the 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 clearest i've ever heard it was from adrian rogers and he said it's like uh like like the home is like a football field you know and and yeah the the most important player on the team is the quarterback he makes all the decisions he makes that final call you know and he makes those those <laughs> in the moment decisions you know but if you don't have your linebackers i mean he's going to get crushed you know so everybody has their role to play. You know, it's not that one's inferior or nothing. It's just everybody has a role to play. And that's, that's important when we hear this next definition because egalitarianism uh, literally comes from a word that means equal. 
Um, and the reason it's, it's, it's so hard to come find a good definition is because so many people twist it to say, even in their definitions, you're like basically saying that, that complementarianism is immoral, just even using the definition of egalitarianism, you know, when they say, well, it just means that all men and women are equal. Well, that's the same thing we're saying, you know, <laughs> in a way. Um, so it's, I, I, I finally found one. I think, I, I think fits well. And I think it really describes the position well. And this was from a, uh, this was from a website called Theopedia, and uh, this was an egalitarian positive argument, and this is how they defined it. And it says, egalitarianism within Christianity is a movement based on the theological view that not only are, are all people equal before God in their personhood, see, that's where we all agree at this point, but this is where we disagree, there are no gender-based limitations of what function or roles each can fulfill in the home, the church, and the society. It is sometimes referred to as biblical equality. Egalitarians understand the Bible as teaching the fundamental equality of women and men of all racial and ethnic groups, all economic classes, and all age groups. Based on the teachings and example of Jesus Christ, it should not be confused with secular, political, economic, social egalitarianism. Uh, <clears throat> so, and like I said, the word uh, egalitarianism comes from the, the word egal is 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 French for equal, um, and it, it's kind of it kind of means equality or that sort of thing. It li pretty much literally means equality, um, and so uh, I, I, this is also another one. That, there's different there's different types. Uh, I, we forgot to mention this earlier, but there's different types of complementarianism, and we're going to look into some of that as we go along here. Uh, but there's also different types of egalitarians because uh, some people believe that women can have any role in the church, but that the man is the head of the household. You know, um, and there's there's different there's different levels of where people go with that. But uh, the way we've pretty much separated these two now, it's pretty clear. You know, if, if you think that women and men can do any role in the church, you're pretty much an egalitarian. Um, and if if you believe that roles are defined for each uh, each gender, uh, <laughs> the two genders, by the way, uh, you know, then uh, <clears throat> then you're a complementarian. All right, but there's also a lot of misunderstandings around this view too, uh, because a lot of times, like even that definition, you know, I could twist that in all sorts of different ways. You know, does it really not matter what age somebody is? You know, am I going to let a five-year-old pastor the church? Probably not. You know, am I going to let a 25-year-old that just got saved last week pastor a church? Probably not. You know, if it was if it was my call, it's not really my call, but <laughs> you know. But uh, there's a lot of misunderstandings that go in with that too. Um, and also a lot, one of the big ones that I've noticed, um, after I mentioned this, when I open the floor to y'all, if y'all want to add anything else about egalitarianism before we move on, but, uh, one of the big ones I've noticed from complementarians, especially is that they, they basically equate egalitarians with, uh, and say that egalitarians just don't read the Bible. You know, that's just the, what a, what a foolish argument. Uh, it's just <laughs> foolish. I mean, you talk to any egalitarian, they probably, if, especially if you're arguing like that, they probably know the Bible better than you do. Um, <clears throat> so um, that's foolish. And, and just to say that they're, oh, they're just, uh, you know, they're just picking and choosing what text to believe. That's not true either. Uh, you tell N.T. Wright that and let me know what he tells you with his awesome British accent. Um, <clears throat> so, and there's a lot of famous and, and very good theologians that believe uh, that women, that believe egalitarianism, you know, and, uh, uh, <clears throat> you know, like, um, uh, like N.T. Wright is one of the most popular ones. Um, and uh, Craig Keener is another very popular one. 
Uh, there's a lot of people that believe that. And there's a lot of people, a lot of strong theologians that believe complementarianism too. So uh, this this is definitely a, a an undecided issue at this point. But uh, y'all have anything else to add about egalitarianism? Maybe something you misunderstood about it, or or uh, something you've seen uh, in the ways that it's been abused by complementarianisms or misunderstood complementarianists and misunderstood or anything like that. It's a very enticing view, especially as a woman. Um, and I think until, until very recently, I didn't have a, like, I was like, yeah, I'm complementarian, but like, you know, maybe egalitarian. It was just kind of like an up in the air thing for me. I didn't really have a firm stance on either side. Um, until recently, whenever I, um, I kind of got a full picture, like a full, like biblical scope view of the reasons for complementarianism, not just because men should be the head of the household, but like theological reasons for why God ordained things this way. And now I think that for me, there is a stronger case. And I'm not going to say like, you're an egalitarian, like, you know, I have egalitarian friends. It is a view. Um, and it's a very enticing view. So, yeah, that's what I have to say. <laughs> I think it, it goes along with culture and especially, like, I guess growing up or early on, it's looked at as the feminist movement, basically. Everybody we think who's egalitarian is automatically feminist. I don't think that's it either. So I think that's a common misconception. There's different realms, and in the end, we can still work together. It's not a gospel-based issue. It's a hot issue, but I don't think it's a gospel-based issue. Yeah, and for the purposes, uh, I mean, especially this podcast, you know, we're we're pretty much starting with the presupposition for this podcast that uh, you, you already believe the Bible is authoritative. Um, so we're, yeah. What we're going to talk about here next is what the Bible actually says about this, and you got to be very careful. You know, uh, I, I mean, I know a lot of a lot of women that 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 could preach some great sermons. That could probably pastor better than any man I know, uh, any any minister I've ever met. You know, uh, but it's just not the role that God called us to. So uh, <clears throat> we just need to be very careful that this doesn't turn into just an emotional thing we, we i don't think we need to neglect the emotional side either um you yeah. know none of us want to get off this podcast with people thinking that uh you know we're abusive to women you know or that we actually do hate women uh, i i joked about that because people have made that claim about me just because of my view I and mean, sometimes it was because i was being a jerk but uh you know sometimes it was just it was just because of the view i mean all i did was mention it and and just people get on edge and angry um, you know, and when the, when the Bible's our authority, we need to respect the, the authority of scripture, uh, when it comes to this issue. And, uh, you know, I like Lydia, I mean, I, I, I'd much rather be egalitarian. Uh, but then as I, you know, as I studied and, and realized how all this starts from Genesis all the way to the, to the end, I mean, how God designed us in a certain yeah. way to, to perform better in these roles, um, and uh, so he, he calls us to those roles to, pr to protect us, watch over us, and that sort of thing. So, uh, all right. Y'all have anything else to add before we get to the biblical text? No. I can't ask that question when we get to the biblical text because you can't add to the biblical text. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's interpretation, man. Yeah. All right. So 
I, I just want to go ahead and start with some uh, some biblical text. Um, I'm sure all of us, all three of us, probably want to. We're gonna, we're going to start with biblical text that support complementarianism uh, very strongly, and I, I think pretty much clear. Some of them not so much. Maybe take a little bit of explanation or a little bit deeper thinking on it. Um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and let y'all start. But whichever one of y'all, I don't know if y'all had planned anything to talk about in Genesis. Uh, I know Lydia had something, so. Um, let's go ahead and start with Genesis and then kind of move our way through into the New Testament. Yeah. Go ahead, Lou. Yeah. So um, I was recently introduced to this idea. And so far, I haven't found anything wrong with it. But you guys, feel free to jump in and disagree with anything. Um, so I feel like throughout scripture, like we can see that like everything is pointing back to the Old Testament, right? Like Christ proclaims that he's the one like that has been revealed in the Old Testament. So in Genesis, you know, like God makes Adam and Eve and textually, the reason for a man and a woman was to have babies. <laughs> like this is why God made a man and a woman. Um, and so right from the start, we see roles here. Um, but what's more intriguing to me is the account of the fall. Um, so we see God gives in the text, God gives the instructions not to eat from the tree to Adam. Um, and textually, it seems it was Adam's responsibility to really this to Eve. Um, and even in New Testament passages, we see that Eve was deceived. Um, and we see that it was through one man that sin entered the world. Um, so right now, I'm under the impression that when Eve ate the fruit, she was being deceived and Adam wasn't. So my view of complementarianism right now is not that, is not that women are like, Women, like God said, women, you should not be the head of this. You should not do this. But more so, it's a responsibility of the man to fulfill that which he didn't do before. Just as Christ is the new Adam, um, men are to share God's word and share the gospel and lead the church in this way because they didn't lead the woman in the garden. Um, and so that's kind of where I am right now. Um, just this, this idea that it's redemptive. It's redemptive for men to be the ones sharing the gospel. So, yeah, I don't know what you guys think about that. I mean, the only, uh, the only pushback I would give is one of my arguments I was just about to give was, um, the authority Adam had before the fall. Um, because that, and I, I think there's probably still room in that view to, to say he had authority before the fall. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, you think, do you think he had authority before the fall or is it, or is, uh, the difference in roles just simply a, a cause of the curse or an effect of the curse? Um, what, what specifically the authority are you talking about? Um, <clears throat> well, really any of it. I mean, if, if, I don't know, it's kind of hard to get speculative here. Um, uh, you know, cause it's, it's always hard to think of a world where, there was no Old Testament. There was no Messiah. There was no Christ. 
you know, but I mean, if, if we all, if every single human being that ever existed just lived in the garden of Eden, um, I mean, would there still have been a, a role for the man and a role for the woman or would all of them just share the load for everything together? Uh, it's, it's kind of difficult to think about because it is so speculative and depending on your sovereignty views, it may not even be possible. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, so I don't know. I mean, do you, do you see a, do you see an authoritative side of Adam before the fall? I definitely Uh, do. Um, just because of the fact that, I mean, if we're looking, if we're looking new Testament, you know, the church is the bride of Christ. Like Christ has ultimate authority over that. You know, just that picture right there is, I think that would more so make me say that Adam had authority than textually speaking. Um, Like, yes, it says that Eve was made as a helper. um, And yeah, so it says that she was made as a helper. So it does seem that there was already this leading responsibility, but um, I mean, when it when it comes to the church and when it comes to preaching God's word, like it doesn't seem like God would be like, okay, women, like you can't proclaim the gospel to a crowd of people. Like that doesn't what it, that it it seems more to me that that specific role is more so of the redemptive nature. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes a little sense. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go ahead, Christian. I think you can look at where Adam is given, like, the commands, like, name the animals. And you see Eve brought on. She wasn't given any direct commands but to help Adam. And I think it was almost his lack of authority that led to the fall because we see that he was standing there when Eve ate of the fruit and he said nothing. Yeah. That, though, like Lydia pointed out, he, he was told. <laughs> yeah. That was where I was about to go with it too. That's why I, I think we can see that in, uh, in Genesis two, I mean, we'll come back to Genesis one because I think that's uh, an important uh, text for egalitarians. But uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I think in Genesis two, you know, Adam's created first and he's given all this authority over the land. I mean, and it's uh, at first it's authority, but really, and this is why I think you could still have the redemptive view that you're talking about because it was his responsibility. Um, and that's how, that's how I really view complementarianism. It's not that one's better. It's not that we're unequal. Um, it's that one has the responsibility to do this and one has the responsibility to do that. Um, so I think you can see that it, it was Adam's responsibility. And that's why I think at the fall, um, it says that as God's going through the garden, he asked Adam, where the heck are you at, man? You know, that's my translation, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, he asked Adam first. He doesn't say, woman, where are you? He says, man, Adam, where are you? Uh, you know, and so I think we could see even from even from right there at the fall that it was uh, it was Adam's responsibility to watch over that and protect him and his mm-hmm. wife from sin. Y'all have uh, y'all have anything else there in the in the creation y'all want to talk about? I did hear an egalitarian. uh listening to a podcast she said where when god called adam right there that it translates to man or mankind so she took it as mankind which i mean i don't take it that way but that was an interesting argument yeah um and and even even the word helper 
Uh, it's really hard for us complementarians to make a case off a helper because the same words used for God. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're sure as heck not saying that man's better than God. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, that's also, a, 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 I think that was a pretty good one. I heard that from, uh, 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 what's the guy's name? Mike. I forget what his last name is. Pastor Mike. Uh, that does all his YouTube. He has a massive YouTube channel. Mike Winger? Uh, Mike Winger, yeah. Okay. Uh, he, he did a very, I think he's still in the middle of it. He's doing a very long uh, series on it. Wow. Uh, Okay, so what, what else in, in the Old Testament before we move on to the New Testament? And we're really, we're probably going to have to come back to the creation uh, when we get to the New Testament passages anyways. But uh, so, I mean, what else do we see in the Old Testament that really supports, seems to support complementarianism? Uh, I, 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 know, I know for me, I've actually been reading, uh, I've actually been reading, oh, gosh, man, I can't remember nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he'll come to me here in a second um uh, is god a moral monster by paul copan and uh he addresses the he addresses the uh, the hyper the the uh new age atheists really are really the ones making all this big fuss about the old testament but uh he addresses like uh women not being allowed to be called priests uh, <clears throat> you know and i, I mm-hmm. think that it's, it's i think you see pretty consistently throughout the old testament that men are called to do certain jobs, right? And, you know, and I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not blind. I can see that there's also women that are called in the Old Testament to do certain things too, you know, Definitely. like uh, like Deborah, uh, you know. But uh, it seems like even with the role of priest, I mean, there was it was men who were called to do that. Um, and I mean, and, and and if you really want to get into that kind of thing and and how all that really worked in its context in the Old Testament, I, I would highly suggest Paul Copan's book. Um, it was it was an eye opener for me, and I've been talking about and thinking about this stuff for years. And just reading his book recently, uh, you know, when he when he addresses that, the way I can't remember all the specific details, but you know, one of the things with God in the Old Testament was he wanted to he wanted Israelite the Israelites to understand holiness and 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 uh, and purity and uh, and all that. And so um, I don't know, y'all have anything to add on that? I mean. The different, I mean, there's different, uh, just all the different roles in the Old Testament where, uh, you know, men are called to these roles and, and not women, uh, typically. Um, to that, I would say, I think there is a pretty strong case that both Adam and Eve were acting as co-priests in the garden. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um. And y'all know as well as me, there is some pretty disturbing stories and things in the Old Testament about women. Uh, trying to see, I was wondering if I had a good quote here I marked, but um, but yeah, Paul Copan, if you really want to get into that and the women in the Old Testament, Paul Copan's book uh, is very good. And I'm not even sure Paul Copan is a complementarian, but he at least uh, he at least thinks that uh, in the Old Testament that, uh, that, uh, that uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious with the priests. I mean, there was no, I mean, unless, unless in the Garden of Eden, um, and this could be an effect of the fall or something. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in, during Israelite's time, there were no women called to be priests. And uh, I can't, I wish I could remember the specific details, but um, part of it had to do with childbearing and, and uh, there, 
with a man because there were a lot of men that weren't allowed to be priests either. Um, yeah. And and purity was very important, you know. And for a woman with with periods and pregnancy and that sort of thing, that would make them impure uh, for for sometimes a long amount of time, uh, for good reason, I, I think, because of, of God's purposes and all that. But uh, that's a whole other topic for a different day. But um, all right, so y'all have anything else to add to the Old Testament before we move on to the New? I mean, I guess this is tag teaming in between complementarianism and egalitarianism, but we see like the importance of women also. Like Moses had Moses and Aaron, they had their sister oftentimes with them. Like she didn't have a specific position, but you can tell that she went along with them. Um, even in Moses's life, his mom had to put him in the river. She played an important role there. Uh, Pharaoh's daughter is the one that found Moses and we wouldn't be where we were. Moses wouldn't have come to where he was at. And a lot of the Old Testament laws, that's what Paul Copan argues, that a lot of the Old Testament laws that sound very harsh to us in this day and age were actually very protective and, and loving and kind, especially compared to other ancient Near Eastern laws like Hammurabi and and, uh, yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, they were, they were these, the, our, the Old Testament laws were very loving, very caring, very protective. Um, you know, and it, it actually, like when a man got with a woman and they married, I mean, it meant something. So that's why they would, there would be like an exchange, like a down payment of, of property or something along with that. Yeah. Um, because, you know, like the father would, would give the, give, uh, basically give his daughter, uh, it's like a, almost like a savings account and uh, yeah. give her, give her extra just in case her husband left her or divorced her or whatever. She would still have land and animals and stuff like that. Uh, in the midst yeah. of that, so she wouldn't be, you know, left alone and stuff. Uh, you see that Ruth too, with with Ruth and, and Moab, and uh, so women, the women definitely were were taken care of um, in the Old Testament. It had some very very powerful roles uh, in the Old Testament as yeah. well. Um, of course, and, and that's the thing is when we look all the way through the Old Testament into the New Testament, uh, we see that relationship uh, between the two. Though that's that's the that's the important key. Is to seeing how they how men and women related to one another, um, how God called all these men to action and called these all these prophets to action, um, you know, and, and sometimes and especially in the book of Judges, I mean, things were getting bad, you know. Uh, I'm sure at that point God would basically take whatever He could get, you know. <laughs> I mean, he used Samson. Everybody thinks Samson was a great story, but Samson broke every Nazarite vow that he he made, <laughs> you know. Yep. Uh, <clears throat> So anyway, so let's move on to New Testament. We're running out of time here. Um, so as far as verses that actually, that I think support complementarianism, uh, I don't know if you marked that you guys marked these down, but, um, you know, 1 Corinthians, we'll start in 1 Corinthians since it's the first book. Um, but in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, it says, but I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of the woman and God is the head of Christ. Um, so I don't, I don't think we can, um, I don't think we can understand that without uh, looking at some of these other verses. Um, but even in that, he actually, and this is what's interesting, like Lydia brought up, is he actually connects that with the creation story. You know, so this isn't something new that just popped up. This is something that's been around since the creation story. Uh, because then later on in verses uh, 8 and 9, he also says, uh, for man did not come from woman, but woman came from man. Neither was man created for the sake of woman, but woman for the sake of man. 
Uh, do y'all have any thoughts on that? Have y'all, have y'all, did y'all do any, I don't know if that was a verse that y'all were going to bring up or not. Um, but y'all have any thoughts before we go on to something else here? Hold on. Let me read through that one more time. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, while you're doing that, I mean, uh, I, I think this is very important. I, I think it's clear in like Colossians uh, when it talks about how uh, Christ is the head and then it's basically Christ, the man and the, and the woman and the wife. Uh, in the family, and then the children below below them, um, that uh, that the, the the parents are over both of both of the parents are over the children. They have authority or position over the children. Um, <clears throat> but uh, it, like like I said, I, th- I think it becomes clear when we get to that. And I'll read it here in just a second. Uh, but I think it becomes clear when we get to that because we see the that there is a key in all that. You know, it's not this abusive relationship. You know, it's not that the man is supposed to have some the bigger strength and power over the woman or anything like that. Um, there's something specifically that God has intended here, uh, a specific way for it to work and for it to work perfectly. Um, so do you have any thoughts there, Lydia? Um, I'm just thinking, I don't have anything specific to say to egalitarian or complementarian. Um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking back to it. It was through the woman that um, the seed of Christ would come though. Right. So it does say that, you know, like woman was made from man. Um, but there is this promise that like Christ would come through the seed of a woman. And I don't it, it just seems like, yeah, anyways, that's all. That's all I have to say there. <laughs> yeah. That's important. That's important to keep bringing up too, because we want to make sure that uh, people don't misunderstand complementarianism to say that we think women are some lesser beings that Women played important roles and very, very important roles, you know, and it's funny because out of Ruth and Moab, uh, Moab is not even really mentioned in the lineage. I'm pretty sure uh, if I remember right, Moab's not mentioned, is he? But Ruth, Ruth is also mentioned though. Without, without Ruth being there, uh, you know, there would be no, no lineage, you know, leading up to David, you know? So, uh, yeah, I thought both of them were mentioned, um, but yeah, I mean, Ruth, I mean, Moabitess, I mean, you know, I'm sure y'all probably all know that story, but, um, you know, there are, there are important roles that women play throughout, uh, throughout uh, God's history. Um, so, I, like I said, I think to make it clearer, uh, when we get to like Ephesians, like five, um, it talks about submitting to your husbands. I think Colossians, uh, Colossians is good too, but uh, let me read this here in Ephesians. Uh, so at, in the, at the end of Ephesians chapter five, in verse 22, this is, this is super important. If you're really going to understand the, the least the role of men and women uh, in the household, this is what he says. Uh, he says, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Now, if you stop there and didn't read the rest, you would immediately think, wow, how abusive is Christianity to women? You know, uh, but there's a key. And if and if and true Christians know that that the way Christ relates to us is through love and, and grace and mercy. Um, and so that's why he says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. 
For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church. Since we are members of his body, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Now you see that when he talks about some submitting and all that, he, he's not even, you know, he, he doesn't even use as strong of language as he does for slavery. And, and uh, you know, most of the slavery in that time was really indentured servanthood. Um, but, you know, he's just so generous and kind and compassionate when he talks about it. And love has to be at the center of that. You know, like I, I, in, my, in my understanding of what it means to, uh, uh, to be the man of the household, it's not even that I have to make all the money. It's not that I have to make the most money. It's that it's, it's my responsibility to make sure there is money. It's my responsibility yeah. to watch over and protect it and uh, lead my family spiritually. Um, but good Lord, if my wife didn't help me, <laughs> you know, I'm already working enough. I can imagine what I had to be doing if she wasn't helping me. So um, all right, I'll let y'all jump in there. I've been talking a long time. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think that once again, you see this picture that the the husband and wife are supposed to be a picture of Christ and the church, as you were talking about. And I almost would go even so far as to say that um, the headship of the husband to the wife is of spiritual nature. I mean, I think it is necessary for a husband, if he is loving his wife like Christ is loving the church, to have a want to provide for her. Um, but I mean, if you're leading, if you're leading your household and like, say, like, I'm going to get my doctorate degree, let's pretend it was in something that's not ministry. And I would actually make money with a doctorate <laughs> degree, you know, or my <laughs> master's degree or whatever I pursue, you know, if I was able to make more money than Jose, you know, Jose was like, I would be more than willing to take care of our children and do these things because, he would say that would be the best way for us, you know, or like, you know, just something like that, like a bizarre case. Um, but as long as Jose is seeking out the best, he's laying down his life for me. He's, he's reminding me of um, the gospel. He's spiritually leading me. I would say he's fulfilling the role of being you know, a godly husband, and he would be the head of the household, even if I was out making more money than him. Like, I don't even think that has to be, you know, that's not the thing. It's, it's yeah. the idea of he is loving me in a way that Christ loved the church, and he's leading me like that. And I, I actually have, uh, they're, they're an older couple. Uh, I don't know how old they are, but they're like, grand, they're grandparents, so uh, they're at least that old. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, he actually, you know, for the longest time, they kind of had you know, that view, I, I think they would probably, if you really pushed them on it, they probably would kind of lean towards complementarianism still. Um, or if they weren't complementarianism, they still would. But uh, he, he, was, he was actually providing for the house, providing all the money. And, um, uh, but he got injured uh, to where he basically couldn't, he can't walk for long periods of time anymore. And so he's on disability. So his wife started working and pretty much got a really good job uh, to where he doesn't have to work, you know. Um, but the, it, it's still, you know, just, just even in that moment, like you could tell uh, that there was love for one another, you know, that, that the wife stepped up, but, um, you know, even then, <clears throat> and, and I, and the, the way I run my household, I can, I can speak on this and Lydia and 
uh, Christian soon enough, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we're, we're living it, you know. And, and being a complementarian is I'm being a man that is a husband and has a child and is a, um, you know, and is a, 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 a pastor. And, uh, you know, I know what that role feels like to have the responsibility, but I would be a fool to think that I was going to do this without my wife. I'd be a fool to think that I was going to do youth ministry without my, my women helpers, you know. I mean, it would be impossible. Um, you know, so I, I think that's the key is, is to make sure it all works together. And, and, and uh, you know, the Trinity is, is the, the most powerful way we can understand how relationship is, is, can be perfected um, in the midst of that. Um, that's kind of all I had for the New Testament. So whatever you guys want to add or any other passages or anything, y'all go ahead. Uh, or the, the, the Timothy ones too. Well, talking about like submission and mentions here, I was listening to a podcast about Jackie Hill Perry. And I mean, if you know her story, she went from being this woman who was gay and she had that sort of women mentality, like the feminist movement that she had come from. And she's like, when I looked at Christ and he was here on earth and he was submitting to the father, she's like, how could I think that I was any better that even Christ had to submit to his father? And so we see that. And I always thought of, I'm like, you should, the man should be submitting to Christ, should be submitting to God so much and in such a way that his wife willingly does that. It shouldn't have to be a forceful thing. It's kind of like you should have to earn the respect before they're going to give it to you in the same type of realm. It's yeah. like we're not left off the hook. As a, as a, as a Christian woman and as a wife, um, it's a lot easier, not that it has to be easier to stomach because like it's the Lord's word, but yeah. it's a lot easier to stomach that when, when you realize that Christ was submitting to the father, that he laid down his life for the church. And that's the model that your, like your husband should have yeah. and the model that, um, the pastor of the church should have just this idea of servant leadership um yeah. because you know like if my husband is loving me as christ loves the church it should be easy to submit to him you know like it should be like a like a thank you you know yeah. so when you think about it in that light and not as a not as a you can't do this because you're a woman it's yeah. um you know like this is the picture god's painted for us like um, we're representing, like, in our marriage, we're representing, like, him and the church, which is amazing. Like, that's just amazing to think about, you know? So. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on here. We definitely got to cover this First Timothy passage. Um, <laughs> and we'd be terrible complementarians if we didn't talk about this passage. Um, uh, so let me read it. Y'all want to split it up? We'll do Timothy, I mean, uh, chapter two first, then we'll move on to chapter three. Sound good to y'all? Okay, that's what I'm going to do anyways. So, uh, <laughs> so sorry, Master. All right, this is First Timothy chapter two, uh, verse eight. This is CSB. Uh, you can argue with me about that later. Uh, it I says, will. therefore, <laughs> therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands. What are, what are holy hands? Y'all ever seen the Tim Hawkins thing of the different the different waves in uh, in church? The wash the wash the window, wash the window. Yep. <laughs> okay, 
My fish um, was this big. Uh, yeah, apparently Tim <laughs> talked to Tom too. So I mean, Paul. Uh, but he says, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument. Also, the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing. Now, that's kind of funny with the story I was telling you all earlier about the uh, teenager. Uh, with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls, or expensive apparel, but with good works, as is proper for women who profess to worship God. A woman, a woman is to learn quietly with full submission. I do not allow, allow a woman to teach or to have, have authority over a man. Instead, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, and then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed, but she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with good sense. Well, there you have it. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. We read the passage. It's in the Bible. Uh, complimentary. I mean, uh, you got to <laughs> never read this passage. Uh, we don't know what they're doing. Uh, so, no. Uh, obviously there's some, there's some discussion we have to have here. So, uh, you guys want to start us off? Uh, one of y'all want to start us off? So I don't have to answer. First of all, I would just like to say that as a woman, you are not required to have a child to be saved. That is not what this verse is saying. <laughs> and you do not have to. If you don't have the child now, I'm just playing. You're not required <laughs> to have a child. <laughs> I couldn't imagine the day she gave birth about it said, you're saved. <laughs> <laughs> I got enough trouble for eating a cracker. I ate one cracker. I told her, I said, I'm not going to eat anything because you can't eat anything. And I ate one cracker. And I said, I don't want to pass out. And she said, hey, you self <laughs> I, well, I just I feel like I should say that because I personally have people very close to me who think that if you are following biblical mandates, you have to have at least three children, not one, not two, but three, because God calls you to multiply. So You can go times one, times two. I don't know. It was a whack view. I just feel like <laughs> we should say that to establish that it's not necessary because it's been fulfilled in Christ. Like, that's the reason we had to have children. It's fulfilled. So... <laughs> Look back at multiplication time table. You have 12. You need to have 12 children. <laughs> like the disciples. Multiple wives. <laughs> oh, <to>. God. <laughs> no, no, we've already moved on from the Old Testament. Let's, let's let Paul Copan deal with his own problems. That was outlawed in 1972. Oh, okay. Unless you're Mormon. No, no, no. Too soon. It's also in this passage that, that you see, like, Eve was deceived. It doesn't say Adam was deceived. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I'm, I'm sold out. Anyways, um, so, <laughs> um, now when you say that though, I mean, I mean, Adam was not, I mean, cause some people will say, well, so, so Eve faces punishment, Adam doesn't. Well, no, that's not what the verse says in, in yeah. Genesis three. <laughs> right. Right. Like, good luck, yeah. buddy. You got to deal with thorns and hard work. And <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, this was a hard, this was a hard passage for me, right? And of course, like, we can go back, you know, with the whole, like, don't wear pearls, don't wear gold, don't adorn yourselves, dress modestly. Like, we can tie that all back to, like, you know, paganism. There were temple prostitutes. We don't want to be like that. Um, we want to be different. Um, we can also say, you know, that... 
Um, we don't want to be like taking attention, like away from God. We don't want to be stumbling blocks. Like we can say all of those things, but then you get here and you're kind of like, well, of course, anybody like egalitarians would make the case that this is probably cultural. Um, but like, it, it's, it's hard to say like, you know, women learn in submissiveness, but I do think, you know, like be quiet and be submissive and learn. Um, I do think that this is because of the picture we're presenting of Christ and the church. And men just happen to be the representative of Christ. And we have to be submissive to that. And that's why they have the command to be teaching in churches. Um, and I don't think that it's that women can't teach um, because I'm under the assumption that women can do anything in the church other than be the head pastor. But I think that it's men's responsibility. And honestly, praise the Lord. It's not my responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I've heard a couple things on this passage. I mean, one, uh, what egalitarians will say is that it was a cultural shift, like you just said. And basically, um, an argument I've heard is that women were basically standing up in church and causing a fuss and, and all this stuff. But the difficulty that I've had in the last couple of years, so I used to think that. I used to think, well, no, the first First Timothy 2 is cultural. But First Timothy three is not. All right, that don't make any sense. Um, but I, I think, uh, wow, I was pretty hardcore there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, okay, sorry, it can make a little sense. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's more like uh, not necessarily don't make sense, but it's like inconsistent to say that the passage right before the passage about pastors is you know it's cultural, but then the the passage about pastors in chapter three is not cultural. Um, that, that just, it, it, it's just kind of inconsistent to me, but the thing though, that I think is interesting is, um, women did speak in house churches. I mean, I, I would pretty much bet money that, uh, that Prisca, I mean, she probably spoke and helped, uh, you know, Aquila all the time. Uh, they were, they were two powerful house, uh, house church leaders and, and church and planters. Lydia. Yeah. And Lydia, uh, <clears throat> wow. You know a lot about her. Um, <laughs> You know, uh, so but the thing is, is it, considering that it's connected with chapter three, I mean, you, you got to know how the Bible is written. There was no chapters and verses and all that. I mean, this was supposed to be one letter written at, read at one time, not in bits and pieces. Um, and it's connected with that that role and authority, uh, really more the authority, I think, of teaching. And that's why we we all kind of come to the view that women can pretty much do anything except for teach. Um, we'll come back to the more practical side here in just a minute. Uh, uh, we need to go ahead and move on here. Let me move to, to chapter three. All right, so chapter three, the most famous verse, what, what complementarians will do is they'll read this verse and say, that's it, uh, it's over, it's done. Uh, but I actually argue that it's really not uh, the most powerful verse. I think the, the whole of scripture is what's powerful and going back to creation and uh, following it through. Uh, but this, is, the saying is this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach. Now, listen, there's going to be a bunch of men that are cut out of this, too. Uh, mm. Above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his own household competently. And have his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of God's church? 
He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace in the devil's trap. Deacons, likewise, should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drink a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. They must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives, too, must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons are to be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire a good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. All right, y'all want to get us started on that? Or do we even need to explain it? I mean, <laughs> this plan. Says what it says. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Go ahead, Christian. I talked big, long, the last one. You're just going to throw me on this one. <laughs> but how do I go about this? I mean, it shows that it's not a position to be held lightly. And, I mean, we're most complementarians just look at, oh, it's the husband and one wife. Husband can't be a woman. And then they just leave it at that. There's nothing else to there. But I think it just, I guess, like we've been saying, the church in Christ, and it, I mean, it says all these characteristics, and looking at the deacons, it's like there's still a partnership there. The men have to fulfill these certain characteristics, but it also talks about the deacons' wives, how they have to be a certain way also. And it's talking about, if we look at, the men as the head of the household, then you look at how he has to have his children in order. He's still the head. He has to have, has to help them. And it's talking about within the church. Go ahead, Lydia. No, I'm just thinking like, there's like a reputation of pastor's children that says that <laughs> the overseers should manage their children. <laughs> yeah. honestly i wish that we would actually follow this (laughs) for deacons and pastors uh because i I mean i i some of these pastors i'm like well who the heck or man i get so jealous of other denominations because i'm southern baptist and we believe in autonomy of the churches but i get so jealous of other denominations that uh, have just a little bit more authority and pull (laughs) <laughs> in churches um, yeah and uh, they're a lot stronger in their in their government but you know is that really a proper way to do it or whatever that's a whole other topic but uh, th- this 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 passage is powerful um uh, but yeah. one of the things when it says husbands of one wife because I, I don't plan on bringing this passage back up for the egalitarian side but uh basically what an egalitarian would say uh especially in that one uh is that uh, during that time, and I think it was—I I think it was pretty popular in that time—to have multiple wives or to be, you know, cheating or whatever. Um, but I mean, that—that that really is just a, a lack of, you know, self-control. You know, like if 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 I knew a pastor, especially if it was my pastor or or another leader in the church, you know, um, you know, was was, uh, you know, sleeping around or cheated on his wife or something, I would say, listen. Uh, you can be forgiven of this. I think you can come back to this ministry, uh, but you've got to get this right. You know, I mean, that would go for any of that stuff. I mean, if, 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 if the household seems like it's just train wrecked, you know, and you're like, you, the, the dad's not 
Uh, the father's not watching his household, but he expects to come pastor a church. I mean, he's always going to have a hard time. I think the scripture's uh, clear, and I think this personal experience is clear. Uh, and so I, 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 I do think, though, uh, the most powerful argument that, that only a man is called um, to both of these, um, uh, which it doesn't. Yeah, it does. Um, uh, it says it's for deacons and pastors. That they have to be able to manage their own households. Uh, I think throughout all of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, wherever, I think men are called to have the responsibility of taking care of their own households. Uh, and for what we were talking about before, we may all disagree on this a little bit, but uh, I hold to the view that uh, as far as uh, that that women um, can do anything in the church or, or allow, it's, it's such a hard thing to do. You put any <laughs> of these verbs in there, and it sounds like I'm I'm being you know, malicious or something, but, uh, the, but, but I think men are called to do, uh, or women are called to do whatever they want, whatever they desire, not really whatever they want, but whatever God's called them to. Um, but I don't think that God's going to call a, a woman to be a pastor or a deacon. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, why do people feel sometimes they need to do that? You know, that's, that's something you got to take on a case by case basis. But um, I think God has set it up though, in a way that men are to be pastors and deacons and, and, and elders. Uh, so I would never, uh, in, in a church that I was a pastor of, I would not, um, I would not, uh, if a woman came to me or if I, even if I thought a woman would make a good, uh, you know, a good deacon, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I don't think that scripture, uh, permits that a, a woman is, is, is called and designed to be a deacon. Um, and I, and I hold though, the difference is I hold that, that, that deacon is also an office, just like a pastor or elder. Um, and it also says deacons are supposed to be able to run their own households as well. Now, the problem with the word deacon, though, is that deacon just really, in its basic definition, means uh, it, it means servant. You know, so anybody can be a servant, but I think the position of deacon is like a servant leader. You know, and that's why when they chose, you know, the men in Acts, in Acts 6, the first deacons or whatever, I mean, they were men that, that did all that ministry. They were servant leaders. Uh, they weren't just, you know, just randomly picked servants, you know. I mean, I, obviously, I, I don't know how anybody could run a church without having women serve. Uh, that would be, I'm sure the women would love it. I mean, I wouldn't complain if I was a woman, but uh, <laughs> you guys do all the work. We'll just sit here. You guys serve us, you know. Uh, so that's what I, I, I think it's a very powerful passage. But, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, I don't think that this is just a one and one, one and done thing. Um, I think if you miss the whole scope of scripture and you miss the, the natural tendencies, the natural design of man and woman, uh, I think then if you if you don't get those points, then I think you're going to miss complementarianism, not just if you misunderstand this passage. And I remember one of my one of my close friends or a friend, close friend of all of ours, I remember the one question I've ever been able to ask this guy that made him stop was, well, what do you think? He was an egalitarian. I said, well, what do you think about, uh, you know, is a woman called to be the head of the household or is the man? And he just didn't know what to answer. And, and you guys probably know what I'm talking about. And I've never heard this guy not be able to answer a question. And I'm sure he might be able to now. This was years ago. Uh, but he, pulled, he was pulling books off the shelf. We were in the library. He's pulling books off the shelf trying to answer the question. You know, um, And it's something that a true egalitarian is going to say it doesn't matter which one of them runs the household. Or uh, you know, we both run the household and, yeah. and try to, yeah, uh, they try to separate it like that. But I mean, I would say the same thing that, yeah, I don't run the household by myself and uh, good luck telling my wife that Jonathan runs their household. 
I I have the responsibility, but we we do things together, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I I just to clarify, I don't I don't think it's a a lack of capability that a woman shouldn't be in these positions. It's not that yeah. we're not intelligent enough to read the scripture and know what, like, you know, discern what God is saying, or it's not that we aren't capable with money or we're too emotional. It's nothing to do with capability, I don't think. It's everything to do with responsibility. Um, just for clarity. <laughs> and I think you were talking about the calling, like you brought, he wouldn't call a woman into the uh, office of overseer or deacon. And like, I know we've had some people in the past, like they probably felt that calling, like I, I'm called to share the gospel. Like I need to be in ministry of some sort. And I think a lot of people automatically, if you have a calling for ministry, they're like, oh, pastor. And it's like an automatic thing. And it's like, that that's not all there is. There's plenty of other, places to serve plenty of other ministries even outside the church para church ministries not and not only ministry as a woman but ministry as a single woman is interesting yeah. too because oftentimes people think if you're a woman who's called to ministry you ought to be married <laughs> um yeah. you know so just as an encouragement spring by spring. right as an <laughs> encouragement to single women out there you can do ministry without a man <laughs> yeah. man there there is so much that we could say but i I've, we've got to keep reiterating this point that this is not a superiority inferiority view this is a uh, we are all equal in person we're all equal in humanity we're all made in god's image but uh we just think that men and women are called to different roles in the church and in yeah. the home uh but uh yeah, I, I don't. I don't really think they're. You know, we're called to those roles. I don't think the Bible really addresses those roles necessarily um, for societal um, societal things. So, uh, you know, like I, I actually have at my funeral home I work at. I have a. There's a woman there that's a funeral director who is also uh, seems to lean complementarianism, a uh, complementarianist. So, uh, you know, and, and yet she's a leader at the funeral home. You know, but uh, God's focus, I think, was on the church and, and building that image and, and bringing glory to his name. Um, and, and so we can all all be at peace in these situations, in these, um, you know, in these callings that God's given us. Uh, we've got to move on here. I'm doing a terrible job at keeping us on track. Um, <laughs> um, so we, we've got to talk about the, the verses and the arguments that we've heard that that uh, counteract our, our complementarianism. Um, now, for the most part, I think we've pretty much covered it as we went. Um, you know, there's, I mean, I, like I said, there's a lot of very good theologians. I mean, guys I would listen to all the time. I mean, Craig Keener is, is highly intelligent. I mean, good Lord, I, I would listen to all, any of his sermons or, or lessons or whatever, any chance I could get. You know, if he come to town, it's not like I'm going to avoid him, you know. Um, you know, I had Michael Brown on the podcast, and, uh, you know, he's, a, he's Pentecostal. I mean, he couldn't be farther from what I believe than any other Christian, you know, uh, Austin's the same way. Austin's egalitarian. He's, he's probably egalitarian and he's been on the podcast a lot. Um, so I, I mean, I really do. I think there's some strong Christian people who believe this.
Hey everybody, welcome to Grace Bomb Ministries, Complementarianism, Women in Ministry, Part 2. Uh, like I mentioned in the last one, uh, this discussion went for so long that we ended up having to split it into two parts because it's such a it's such a deep subject. It's a subject that touches, that, that is talked about in the Old Testament, it's talked about in the New Testament, and it surely is talked about today. And that's the role of women in ministry. Um, is complementarianism, is that the correct view where uh, the two roles, men and women, they complement each other in their roles in the church and in the house? Or is it egalitarian where it doesn't really matter whether it's a man or a woman, no matter what the role is, a man or a woman can do any of those roles, um, you know, <clears throat> or are called and created uh, and designed to do any of those roles. And so in this podcast, we're really focusing in on some of the biblical texts that are used to support egalitarianism. And uh, if, you, if you're watching this one, go back and watch the first one first. got to get that to learn more about complementarianism. But as we went through complementarianism, we actually ended up um, giving egalitarian views and responding to those as we kind of went through the biblical passages and these ideas and all sorts of things. So um, I really hope that, that this encourages you to dive deeper into this subject. It encourages you to just uh, you know, focus on God, focus on serving God and obeying God in everything. And, and wherever you end up on this, listen, we love you, we respect you, all right? And so we ask for the same thing for us, that you love us, you respect us, and let's just tackle this subject together, right? And so I hope that as you listen to this, that it, it spikes your interest and that you begin studying this topic and that you decide that I will not let culture define my theology. I will not let culture determine my theology, but the word and the authoritative word of God. So anyways, thank you for watching. I hope you enjoy this. And listen, email is Grace Bomb Ministries. Let's talk. Let's continue this conversation. And we will see you at the podcast. Uh, but I think there's there's also a lot of biblical texts I've heard brought up that seem to uh, seem to support egalitarianism that that men and women are equal in role and humanity every single thing um, you know that that they can do anything that that is possible within a church any any job any any position anything they can do in a church that's that's the egalitarian view all right and again we don't want to mess up those definitions we are not saying. We're not saying that egalitarians believe men and women are equal and complementarians are, are saying that they're not equal. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying we're called to different things. But egalitarians are saying that men and women can be called to the same exact things, uh, no matter what it may be. So uh, back in Genesis, though, we're back. We're going back to the beginning. <laughs> um, okay. But back in Genesis, 126 and 27, this is a, a very popular text that uh, people use. I'll read this one, and then there's another one. Um, in, in chapter 2, but 26 and 27, it says, On the sixth day, then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Uh, they, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him 
in the image of God. He created them. These are the ones that are made in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Uh, so really in this, it sounds like he's saying that all of them are equal. And then in Genesis 2, when we get kind of a breakdown of uh, young earthers, we believe it's a breakdown of the sixth day of, of uh, creation. But he says in verse 23 of chapter 2, and the man said, this one, this, this woman that was just created, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Flesh. This one will be called woman, for she was taken from man. Like, well, basically, she is pretty much just like the man. She's taken from man. They're, they're equal. Uh, like, like he says, she's bone of my bones. You know, we are equal. Uh, so that's one of the first arguments in all of Scripture. You know, they're going to say the same thing from the very beginning, you know, that women and men had, had equal roles and callings and that sort of thing. Uh, Y'all have anything... You want to add there or, or uh, give your response to that? <laughs> uh, did y'all, so uh, just a quick response for me. I mean, uh, <clears throat> again, I, I think all those verses that I just read, 26 and 27, chapter 1 and, 20, and, and 23 of chapter 2, I think it's all uh, agreeing with our point that, that we are equal in humanity. We are all made in God's image. Uh, the Bible says, James, he says, how are you guys going to, how are you guys going to talk to people like you talk to people when you wouldn't talk to God that way, but you'll talk to people that way when these people are the image bearers of God, you know? So I think, I think all three of us, we think that men and women are image bearers of God. You know, there's even times in the Bible, like we just mentioned earlier, the word helper is that same word is used to describe God. And there's also times where God is described as like a mother, you know? Uh, a mother who cares for her children, um, you know. So it, it's. Uh, I, mean, I, I just don't. I just don't. I don't think it's a very strong argument from Genesis one, especially with after everything we just went over, and in 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 Genesis two and in the fall. I just don't think it's a. I don't think it's a very strong argument. Um, did you guys have any other text or anything you had for Gen for the Old Testament? Uh, all right. So uh, moving on to the New Testament, uh, this was one that was brought up. Uh, I'll let Christian take this one because this was brought up uh, uh, at the at the panel about the um, <clears throat> I mean really really I mean it really was about the women coming to the tomb first and we all know how important that is for for an apologetic for the resurrection of Jesus but uh, and the reliability of the gospels but uh, and, and not only that there were there were important parts of the gospels all four gospels where women were major components in these uh, in these stories. Um, and how women shared the gospel. Women did evangelism. Like the Samaritan woman went to the town and told all these people about, I've met the Messiah, you know, and all that. Uh, yeah. So Christian, you want to, you want to tackle that? I know you were, you were kind of thinking about that through that or thinking through that earlier. So. Yeah. You want me to go through the Galatians verse? Um, not yet. Not like, like not the yet. women, women in the gospels, women at the tomb. I mean, how, yeah. would, how would you guys respond to that? I think, uh, we discussed that, yeah, in the lion's den, and I think there's a difference that we see here where we look at the roles, but evangelism is, I believe, for everyone. But there's a difference that you look at between evangelism and then this office of preaching, this office of teaching. Because if you look at that word to go and share the gospel, and then you look at the word for uh looking at teaching within those qualifications of the overseers and the elders, they're actually two different Greek words. That means they're two different things. So yeah, all the women 
I think Jesus especially wanted to show them as equals spiritually looking at the personhood because back then that is not how it was looked at. I think Jesus gave them important roles and gave them, them coming to the tomb first was something that was like unbelievable. And I think that also adds maybe to the authenticity of scripture where uh, these guys would not have wanted to write, especially back then that the women beat them to the tomb, that the women were the first ones to figure that out because that, that would not have wanted to be said back then. Um, yeah, and this was something that uh, some of my egalitarian friends uh, just recently told me. They said, well, I mean, I mean, really, you know, they say women can't preach. And, and they say, you oh, know, well, I, I think all women are called to <clears throat> share the gospel. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and basically in that, we've, we've got a, uh, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of philosophy to understand what the issue is here because uh, what you, what, what's happened is it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a mis, misformed argument um, because it's, it's, you're missing the definition here. What, what am I defining as preaching and pastoring um, versus yeah. what you're defining? I mean, it, it, a, a missionary goes out and, and preaches you know, to individuals, sometimes uh, even to, in, to well, Southern Baptists would hate me using that word. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's what they're doing. I mean, they're preaching, they're sharing the gospel. Uh, Caruso. Uh, yeah, uh, they're sharing the gospel, uh, and that's what he calls. And even you know, it's funny because oh gosh, he just ripped my ear off my off my dang head. <laughs> um, see, women, aren't y'all glad? Because Peter had to do that, not you. Uh, <laughs> no, that was stupid. Don't. No. <laughs> I'll talk to my IT guy. We'll get that cut. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, you know, it, at the end of Matthew, the Great Commission, it says that uh, uh, Jesus came near and said to them, he's talking to the disciples, actually, but um, I, 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 I am 100% fine saying this applies to everybody. It says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Um, and, and even the, the role of apostles is, is another one. I mean, I, I think apostleship has ceased. Um, it's another thing that's debated, but uh, the apostles <laughs> that's were another were, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the apostles, you know, they were called to a certain thing as well that uh, I don't even think I'm called to. Uh, but I think here we get this general command that we are supposed to go out and share the gospel, evangelize and share the gospel with people. And, um, I think all three of us were there at the, at the presentation at school one time and we had a, a complimentarian girl was talking about missions and, uh, you know, it was complimentarian. I mean, she believed what we believe, but she believed that women could go on mission. And we have somebody in the room that was an egalitarian that, that said, uh, well, that's kind of dumb uh, to say that women can go out and preach the gospel and teach the gospel uh, to people all over the world, yet they can't pastor a church. Um or, uh, and, I mean, she didn't really get into the, the household thing, but, I mean, I'm sure you could add that in there, too. I mean, a, a woman can do that, but she can't pastor a church, and she can't lead her household like a man can or whatever, you know. Um, and uh, you know, y'all were there. I got kind of heated in the room there for a second. Um, I mean, wh- what do y'all think about that? I mean, how, how can we respond to this without, uh, you know, with, without being, you know, I mean, our goal is not to be offensive. I mean, we're, we're supposed to love. I mean, men and women, I mean, we're supposed to love and submit. You know, that's how the, the everything we just talked about. 
Um, but how we deal with how do we deal with this in a loving way to say, listen, uh, you know, this there's a there's a misunderstanding here, or this is what the Bible teaches on this. Yeah. Go ahead, Christian. I think it's a common, I guess you would say, common misconception about what pastors do, even like. People look at us, and especially if you're full-time, they're like, what do you even do all day? Like, do you just sit there and read the Bible 24-7? And I'm like, no, there's there's more to pastoring than just getting up <laughs> there on Sunday. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly. But, like, that's, that's our main role. That's why we are there. But there's also the shepherding aspect of pastoring. And so I think you can put with shepherding, that would be where you get the household thing. Like, you're over a certain group of people. That's your flock as uh, Christ is compared to the shepherd, as God is compared to the shepherd often. And, I mean, pastor in a church, you can have some people that are like sheep, some more than others. But we have, there's that separate role. And I think that when people look at that, like, if they can teach and preach in these other scenarios, why can't they there? Like, there's, there's more to just pastoring than just teaching. And I mean, anytime someone is told they can't do something, <laughs> they want to do it, regardless, regardless <laughs> yeah. of what it is. And that's why I think that this, I think that this is very not, this is very much not about capabilities. Because if it was the same thing, if it was a women's ministry, you would say, yeah, a woman would be able to stand over these women and shepherd them and lead them and guide them. Yeah. If it was an older godly woman, like it's not that they don't have that capability. Specifically yeah. that. Um, it's specifically that, that this is a picture of Christ in the church. And as a woman, our responsibility is to portray to the world the picture of the church, and a man's responsibility is to portray the picture of Christ. And, like, in a marriage and in church. And I think that, that that's why it doesn't apply outside of those walls, is because it's, it's that picture. What are we doing in church? We're presenting the gospel. This is just another yeah. way to show that. And in the household, like, this is a God-ordained marriage. We're representing this. Um, and as a woman, like, that's your role. But in the world, um, that's why it's okay for women to go out and tell others about Jesus and do this thing. Because in the world, like, as you said, Jonathan, like, in the business world, there's, like, God's not speaking. Like, you know, it's not a lack of capability. It's more about responsibility. So that's what I would say to, to that. Yeah, and and uh, this is this is probably the the uh, the last verse that a lot. This is like the go-to verse. This is like the egalitarian's <laughs> home. Um, this is uh, Galatians chapter three, uh, verse twenty-eight, uh, or I'll read verses twenty-seven through twenty-nine. Uh, For those of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. Uh, so there you have it. I mean, the verse is pretty much clear, just as clear as First Timothy 3 is. Uh, uh, you know, that, that there is no such thing as male and female anymore, right? <laughs> uh, this could be twisted all sorts of ways, but... <laughs> I mean, I think that there is... A, like there's a clear picture that in Christ and like we're made in the image of God and we're created as equals but there's this also like now not yet kind of thing like if you think about it like scripture tells us there's going to be no marriage in heaven um yeah. 
you know, because there's no longer a necessity, like, there's, there's no longer a necessity to have these roles of a man and a woman. We don't need children anymore. We are here, like, you know, now we are the kingdom of God. We're no longer the bride of Christ. Like, it's fulfilled. We're not a bride anymore. We're not waiting. Like, it's done. Um, but here, like, you know, you know, it says there's no slave or free, but there are still slaves in the world. So there's still men and women in the world. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's it's always you know it's always about what was Paul addressing, uh, you know, and uh, you know when he's talking about here, uh, it's it's our it's our unity in the gospel because some people thought, oh this this is really a more of an argument for gets the superiority inferiority view, because some people yeah. thought well if I'm a man that means I'm greater than a woman, or some people thought if I'm a Jew I'm greater than a Gentile, and Paul mm. says no you're not you dummy, <laughs> how many times I gotta tell you that you are saved yeah. by grace through faith, not of works, lest you should boast. You know, you're not a better Christian because you have, you're circumcised and the Gentiles not. You know, we're all one in Christ. Um, and this doesn't affect, and, and, and for, for two, you know, I mean, like, I mean, I just kind of joked about it earlier, but you can't say it's clear as day here and then flip to First Timothy 3 and say, well, it's not very clear, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, either you take, them, you take them both clear or you don't, you know. Uh, that's one of my pet peeves is when people don't have consistent thoughts on things. Um, all right. So, um, man, we, we, I know we've gone a long time. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, big subject. yeah, uh, we don't have to do, we don't have to do uh, bullet six, but, um, I do, we do have to talk about this, um, cause we talked about that there is certain roles for men and women. Um, and we've kind of all given our views, but I want to get pretty blunt because um, people get blunt with me, especially when I talk about this because they say, well, what, when, what can women do, uh, you know, after they're already mad at me? So they're not going to like my response at this point either. But uh, <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, what I mean, we, we've kind of handed on it. But let's bring it all back together. I mean, what what are what are women called to do and what are men called to do in the home and uh, and in the church? Um, I, I'll let you all start and I'll, I'll finish it up, I reckon. Yes, I can go first. Um, yeah, I, some of this I feel like I have nailed down, and then some of them I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's what I've been thinking. Like within the local church, I think I've seen plenty of children's ministry leaders. I think 99% of the time is a woman. And so we see that. Um, I think women can be worship leaders. I've seen that plenty of times. And I guess you look at Baptist worship pastor. We can't call him a pastor because they're a woman. We just call him worship leader. But I don't know how to decipher through that. And then I think I've seen women work with youth plenty of times. Be over that youth. And I don't feel like they're taking over the authority of the man. Because, again, it's almost like teaching children. And so... And, like, I've seen college ministries, plenty of women over college ministries. And, like, that's almost one hard thing because it's, like, are they in that children age? Are they in that adult age? And, like, I think they can do it. Do I have, like, full, solid biblical evidence that they can or can't in a way? Not exactly. But, um, and then the more I've thought about uh, women sharing the gospel and, 
how they can't be pastors but share the gospel since the lion's den i'm like well if they can share the gospel then maybe they can be evangelists and that's kind of the one that i'm like yeah i really think so the more i think about it i think the more that i put it and i guess that would fall into the missionary realm so i think women can be missionaries so i think that's kind of where i'm at what about you Lydia? I think I'd go so far as to say that women could even be adult Sunday school teachers. Um, they're yes. not over corporately the church. They're not shepherding. They're simply presenting God's word. And I don't think that that is the position of an elder or a deacon. Um, it looks more like a small group to me. We don't have small groups in the Bible either. Most of the <laughs> churches were small groups. But at any rate, um, yeah, I think that I am at the point where a woman can do anything in the church other than be an elder or a lead pastor or a deacon, depending on how you define it. Um, and in the home, I think that I mentioned this before. Um, I don't really know what that looks like. I'm not, I'm not a man. So I can't tell you how to spiritually lead a household. Um, and even like talking through, uh, if you know me, you know that my husband is a relatively new believer. Um, and he has asked a lot of men, like even here at seminary, like what does it look like to be the leader of my household? And almost every time it comes back to like being the spiritual leader of the household. And then Jose is like, well, how do I do that? Like my wife's in seminary, you know, it's just kind of this, but, but I think it's the constant reminder of um, being a, being a servant leader and like, you know, being that literally like all the time accountability partner. Um, just the leading, the shepherding in that nature is his responsibility. I can't even say that, you know, it's his responsibility to make money. Like, I'm not going to say it's my responsibility to clean the house. Like, that's not what it looks like to be a biblical picture of a husband and a wife. Um, it's this idea of submission and of, of leadership. So yeah. I don't know if that's exactly what you were looking for, Jonathan, but that's what I got for you. <laughs> yeah, before you. And, and uh, oh, you got something, Christian? Yeah, I, this is sort of on topic. I mean, it's still on topic, but uh, I listened to one podcast. It was by Jackie O'Pair again. I know she's getting some heat for some stuff she said recently, but um, it was between her and her husband, and they talked about this biblical masculinity versus femininity views and how so many times we've let culture define what is a masculine man, what's a feminine woman, because... Oftentimes, I'm like, I'm not a masculine man. I can't go out and build a house or I can't squat 300 pounds. And these different things that we look at as being a fem uh, masculine thing. And I think that's more cultural than feminine because especially going to Burton Parker women's wrestling team, I'm like, these girls could snap <laughs> me like a twig. <laughs> but I'm like, that's that's not biblical per se. Uh, now, now these two know me. If you don't know me, ever, ever since I ever started studying theology, uh, I, I honestly, it was kind of arrogant of me, but I would, I'll, I'll, a lot of times I would, uh, I wouldn't even think about something. If I didn't think it had practical application in the church and in life, I just would, oh, that's a waste of my time. <laughs> uh, and so I have been thinking about this for years and, uh, uh, Man, I, I, I have a lot I could say on it, but 
Um, I'll just I'll just give my conclusion. Um, <clears throat> you know, there there are a ton of roles in the church, a ton of roles that did not exist in the first century. Um, you know, I mean, they were having church in house churches. I mean, people were coming to their house, and and uh, then people were leading those churches in their house. Uh, uh, you know, but there was times where. Uh, like with Timothy, Timothy was the pastor pastor at Ephesus. Um, now, what exactly did that look like? I'm not well trained enough in first century historical context to tell you. Um, but the fact that he was addressed as the pastor of Ephesus uh, is a pretty big deal. Um, <clears throat> but I, I think we see it that uh, the, the the reason I believe that 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 men are called men are called to be pastors and women are called uh you know to, to different roles as well and men are called to different roles i mean there's some roles that i think are interchangeable between men and women um but i also think that uh with just every all the scripture we looked at i mean i just think that men are called to be pastors and elders um because of, of the uh the authoritative you know position of that uh and it gets pretty difficult and i i don't i don't play the semantic games i don't i don't have a problem calling a you know a woman um, that's the children's director. I don't have a problem calling her a woman, a, 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 the children's pastor, um, you know, because it, it, it's still, it's, it's not, it's, I don't think it's going against what the Bible talks about, because um, when the Bible talks about pastor, all they knew were senior pastors, you know, there was none of this yeah. children's pastor, youth pastor, and, uh, yeah. you know, whatnot. Um, <clears throat> and as far as it goes um, in the house, and, and and granted, now I mean things got a lot more serious just the last few months since since Emerald's been around my baby. I mean, uh, you know, being the spiritual leader of the household uh, has become even an even heavier burden. And one of the things I learned about leadership that most people don't know about leadership, unless you've been a, a leader uh, of various organizations, is that the burden is absolutely tremendous if you take your job seriously the burden is absolutely tremendous i mean having the burden of being responsible for how my family deals with finances uh you know whether whether or not i'm the one making all the money or not i mean pretty soon my wife probably is going to be making more money than me you know but whether i make more money or whatever that doesn't matter but it's my responsibility to make sure i think um, and I think this can kind of change in everybody's personal relationship with their spouse. But, uh, you know, I feel like it's my responsibility to watch over the money. It's my responsibility to make sure that my family is safe. You know, um, you know, there, it's, it's, I, I feel like it's my responsibility to do a lot of these things. Um, and, and, and I tell Ali all the time, I say, listen, it, it doesn't need to be your responsibility because the burden of this is so heavy um, that it, I, I would much rather that burden be on my shoulders than on her shoulders, you know? Um, and so I, I always think that it's, it's my job. Uh, like Lydia said with Jose, I mean, you know, I think the men are called to be the spiritual accountability partners, uh, spiritual accountability, uh, leaders in their household and to, and, and to lead devotions. I remember, uh, uh, a pastor was talking about a guy and, and uh, he said, I can't read. And it, basically his wife was smarter than him, could read better than him. And he said, I hate reading the Bible in front of my family because I just, he said, I really, most of the time I just can't. And he says, well, can you tell your family to get up 30 minutes early? Well, yeah. Can you, can you make sure they're up and at the table? Well, yeah. Can you ask your wife, hey, will you preach? Will you read the Bible for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you could still be the spiritual leader in the household, even though he's not able to do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um you know so it's not about knowledge not about 
having a greater ability. It's about that's our calling and our burden that's put on us. And I, I am even pastoring. I always tell people all the time, and I thought it was always silly when pastors said it, but if you want to be called to be a pastor, go do something else. <laughs> do yeah. anything else. Uh, the burden mm-hmm. is so heavy. And uh, I, I know I, I've shared on the podcast before of, of, you know, having a panic attack, just thinking I had a, I had a full on panic attack, just thinking of the burden of pastoring and the responsibility of pastoring. Um, you know, so I end up basically at this point of view where I think, I think men are called to be pastors. I think men are called to be deacons or uh, to serve those, those, the highest authoritative roles. Um, and uh, I'm more of a, I, I'm more of a, if I had it my way, I'd have an elder run church, but um, you know, I, I, I think, okay. uh, I think, I think, um, I think men are called to those roles. I think men are called to be deacons because the the position of deacon is a servant leadership uh, position. Um, so uh, that, that's kind of where I'm at now. You know, some things get a little more tricky, and uh, some churches deal with them different ways. Like with youth, you know, uh, if if women aren't allowed to teach, you know, adult men, I mean, at what point is a boy considered an adult? You know what I mean? Uh, and actually, my Sunday school teacher for the young adults is is a, an elderly woman. Um, at, at a church that is very hardcore complementarian, um, mm-hmm. or where the pastor is, uh, <laughs> so uh, you, you know that's that's kind of where I land on that, and uh, it, it, I just I find it so difficult because of the culture we're in to communicate that in a way that that shows that hey, this isn't about being better. I have to keep reiterating this point because that's not what it's about. It's about what God has called us to. It's about having a, a good functioning football team. I mean, imagine a football team where everybody tried to be a quarterback, you know, um, that would be the worst <laughs> football team in the NFL. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not how God created us to be. Uh, uh, so let's, let's all give our, I'm going to give my final thoughts. Uh, uh, and Christian, if you go and then Lydia, if, if you'll close this out with your final thoughts. Uh, so, final thoughts for complementarianism versus egalitarianism uh that there there are strong scholars on every side if you want recommendations for who to listen to uh you know debates arguments whatever uh, i can give you plenty of recommendations i i have have people that will talk to you i honestly in my own life if a woman comes up to me or or a teenager comes up to me and says i want to be a pastor after i've I've explained to them what the bible says about it i would say listen if you want to do it you, you just you can't be a southern baptist you know, go, go pursue yeah. what you think God's calling you to do <laughs> somewhere else. Uh, not, not that I want to kick them out. That sounds bad. Uh, not that I want to kick them out, but I just like, I, I don't want to stand in that way. I just say, listen, this is what the text says. But if you really feel in your heart, it's not what the text says, you know, follow what you think is right here. Uh, because you're the one that's giving account for that, not me. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I think it's, I, I think, complementarianism is important i think that it's it's the best view of everything we have in scripture um i think that it's not just a cultural shift that happened between the 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 bible times and our time um and i think egalitarianism a lot of people think complementarianism is the only one causing um you know causing problems in the world but i think egalitarianism too is, is too and and uh, i think we've 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 had more uh women leaders in the homes because of crappy fathers. Um, and I think we've had more women leaders in the church because of crappy leaders, uh, you know, and pastors that, that were pastoring these churches and leaving, uh, pastors that were coming in that weren't educated and trained on how to pastor, uh, pastors that were going places that, uh, they just weren't called to go. 
Um, and so I think it's, I think there's just a crumbling of that. And I think we're, we, like Lydia keeps bringing up, we're losing the, the sight of Christ in that, that form that God designed. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't hate women. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm married to one. And uh, if you know my wife, she is a, a very, she's a, she's a strong leader. And, um, <clears throat> you know, but, but even her, even her strong leadership, uh, she, she is glad to say that I am the one that's responsible. I am the, the spiritual leader of the household. I am, um, I, I am the leader of the household and, and uh, she's, she's okay saying that. And it's, and uh, you know, and it's because I, I try my hardest to treat her like Christ has treated me um, in love and respect, um, you know, but, but uh, in the end of it all, it's my responsibility to lead my household. Uh, so that, that is kind of my final thoughts. Uh, Christian, you want to go? Yeah. So I know we have talked about it, seeing Christ through all of it. We see that connection. And uh, looking at it, I think it's an issue with pride. Like Lydia had said, like, if somebody tells us we can't do something, we're going to want to do it. And Matt Chandler, he was talking about the Bible in the context, but I think it kind of rings true where he's like, the Bible is not about you. Like, not everything is about you. And I think a lot of some of our issues in culture dealing with this whole, even like the gender dysphoria and dealing with this male and female, whether we should have roles, whether we're equal in everything, whether it be personhood or within the household, within the church. I think the root of it is pride, lack of understanding. And then we have this issue of pride. Like that's why complementarianism can get taken way far left or I guess that would be, I don't know, but it can be taken <laughs> way to one side and it can be abused is because that issue of pride. And I think that's why we have that issue with pastors, the leaders that have taken this and let pride come in the way and have destroyed churches in some form or fashion because of that issue with pride. And I loved your illustration of the football team. And I think it reigns true, like, the quarterback is that lead. He calls the plays. But one of the highest paid linemen is that lineman that sits on the quarterback's blind side. And if you look at the game of football, I'm a major sports guy. I love sports. So looking at football, it doesn't matter how good your quarterback is. If you don't have an offensive line, they're not going to be good. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback. I still don't think he's the best quarterback, but some people would argue with me. But if you look at him, he's such a great quarterback and looked at highly because of his offensive alignment. You know, football, he had like 12 seconds in the pocket, which is like unheard of. So he had enough time to make all of these decisions. And so the lineman is as important or almost more important sometimes within that the whole playbook within the sport of football. And so look at me ending on a sports term. But um, I think, like Jonathan said, I don't hate women. I think uh, a lot of guys <laughs> – I think a lot of guys would be lost if they didn't have their wives right beside them. And I think that that's why we have the helper. God looked at Adam and – one, Adam was lonely, and two, he's like, you need some help. So he brought in the woman. 
And so I'm just gonna leave it at that if you wanna tag in Lydia with your final thoughts. I also don't hate women. <laughs> um, but uh, I was worried about you. I, I, I wasn't worried about Christian <laughs> or me, but I was like, I don't know about Lydia. Um, yeah, I just like to encourage the ladies that are listening, um, especially in Southern Baptist circles. Uh, it can be difficult if you feel called to ministry, uh, trying to navigate these waters. Um, but I assure you, God has a plan and a place for you. Um, and just because men are called to be the position of pastor and elder doesn't mean that you shouldn't be involved in ministry. Um, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be sharing the gospel. Um, and as I have said several times, I think that um, it's not so much an incapability of women to do these things, but it's a responsibility on the man's part. Um, and it's just a blessing to think that we in our roles in the church and in our roles with our husbands, we get to be a picture of the church um, and a picture of what the church is to Christ as the bride of Christ. So um, yes, yes, it can be hard to navigate, um, but you have a place and you have a ministry and you are called to do more than stay home, clean the house and make sandwiches. Um, so yeah, that's all I have to say. You can exegete scripture just like a man can. You can understand God's word and you can share the gospel. Um, even if we aren't called to be pastors and elders. So. Y'all can understand Greek better than us. <laughs> like Lydia did. <laughs> yeah, neither one of us are in seminary right now. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh man, man, there there is a gazillion other things we could talk about. Um, I I wish it, it's so hard for me. I, I I don't know why my brain functions this way, but I, I work so much better when people ask me questions and I can directly respond to those questions. Um, uh, I, I think that's just my my pastoral gift that that Christ has given me. But uh, <clears throat> you know, I'm more I'm more good at responding to that. So listen, if you have any objections or like if if you're a lady and you're like, what in the world do I do with my life? Um, uh, or if you're a man, you're like, what in the world do I do with my wife? Uh, <laughs> you know, reach out to <laughs> it's getting late. It's getting real late. Uh, reach out to us, graceponministries at gmail.com. Uh, if I can't help you, I can find somebody that can. Uh, right now, the one that did you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's, there is definitely, I, I can't believe I missed over that, but I mean, like I said, I don't want to keep going on and on, but there's just so much more we could say. There's so much that women are called to do. There's so much that men are called to do. And uh, we're, we were just, we're just so excited to be able to do this podcast. We've been working on it for a long time <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, just getting together really. Um, so uh, just very thankful Lydia was able to come on and join us. Thanks for Ooh. having me. Yeah. Uh, we'll definitely have her on again, especially when she becomes a missionary and she can uh, Zoom call us from another country. <laughs> and uh, time zones will be our, the camera around for us and show us the country. But uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, this is but it's such an important topic. We we all would encourage you to keep studying, keep striving to seek for what God says about this issue, what God is calling people to do. Um, and uh, if you have any other things you would like us to discuss or any other objections, just let us know. Uh, we'd be more than happy. Uh, you know, and, and, and 
I, I don't I, I, I want to say I love criticism, but, you know, <laughs> uh, criticism is helpful. That's more of a truthful, truthful statement. Uh, so if you got something you want to critique, something we missed, uh, listen, just reach out to us. We, I mean, we are we this is the whole point of Grace Ball Ministry. So people can come together in controversial topics uh, and hopefully we can have somebody on here uh, uh, one day that is an egalitarian that can defend that other side. Uh, they maybe even have a, some sort of debate or something that would be uh, would be great. So if you're willing to do that, let me know. Um, anyways, we got to go ahead and close this out. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we will see you on the next podcast. <laughs> thank you so much for watching the Grace Bond Ministries podcast or listening to the podcast. Uh, I know there's various ways that you could be listening to this right now or watching this right now, uh, but I just want to say thank you so much. And if you would, uh, wherever you're listening, if you're listening on YouTube, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel, um, podcast, please you know, leave a five-star review and uh, write a little thing in there. If you're on Facebook, you know, leave a comment. Uh, let me know how this impacted you or uh, even any other questions or comments or concerns you may have. Um, and also, if you have an idea or you have something you'd really want to talk more uh, deeply about, you can always email me at gracebondministries at gmail.com. But thank you so much. Remember, for it is by grace you are saved through faith and not of yourselves, for it is the gift of God. Thank you for listening to Grace Bond Ministries. Thank you.